Welcome to Health System CIO's podcast with Kate Pierce, CIO and CISO at North Country Hospital. In this interview, she talks about how her team dealt with having to go back to the drawing board with its EHR implementation and why she hopes they'll never get off the cloud. Pierce also discusses North Country's three-pronged approach to cybersecurity and the importance of collaboration and sharing best practices, especially when you have limited resources. So you're implementing community works, right, from Cerner? Yes. What's the approach been with the training process? Are there different groups at different times, or how are you approaching that? Cerner has kind of a dual approach. For staff, they use a train-the-trainer model. So they've trained Mm -hmm. our staff. So we have some subject matter experts that have been trained by Cerner, as well as some super users that are doing the training for our staff. So we have a variety of groups across the organization that are training in different areas. That schedule has been put together by one of our CIS staff, and we're working through that. The challenge is bringing staff up from their daily work in order to attend the training and participate in the education as well. So with um, shortage in nursing and really across the board, it's been one of those areas where we've had some challenges on both us and um, Cerner as far as resourcing the project. But I think we're in a good spot right now and we've got a good plan in place and I'm pretty confident that we're going to be successful in the conversion. Yeah, what you just mentioned is something that I was thinking about. There's so much going on for physicians, nurses, and has been for a while. And how do you kind of approach that as far as trying to get them in for training. I mean, I I can't imagine that's easy to do. Um, No, we just, it's been an organizational priority. So we really um, didn't have a lot of choice with the timing of this. Um, Our current vendor has decided to exit the hospital EHR market. And so we needed to go back to the board and figure out what we were going to do. So um, yeah. It's been a priority for the organization, and they've done a great job at ensuring that we have the staff that we we need to move the project forward successfully. Um, yeah, I think it takes a lot of strong partnership and staff that are willing to go above and beyond. We have some very dedicated individuals here. Um, I've seen our VP of nursing take shifts on the floors and it's, it's been all hands on deck pretty much to ensure the success of the project. So, yeah, that is a unique situation you're in. This isn't something that the organization is trying to change something that was working just fine in their eyes. It's we need to do this. So I guess in some ways that might make it a little easier. Well, maybe, I don't know if it makes it easier, but maybe more palatable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a better way of putting it. So as far as going through the selection process, this is something where the organization, you wanted a single platform, hospital and ambulatory. So I'm sure that that had been probably something you wanted for a while. Yes. Yeah, so currently our system is a single platform um, okay. and it's, and it's cloud-based. And so when we came to the realization that we needed to, to move off from our current vendor, we formed a committee and we, we established some goals with our project. The first goal that we decided is that we would remain on a single platform. And then we look for things like in the selection process, like system efficiency and performance, user satisfaction, 
vendor staying power was a big one because yeah. we, we really were looking for someone who was not going to be exiting the market anytime soon, mm-hmm. um, looking for a true partnership with our vendor and some maneuverability. We, as a critical access hospital, we don't know what the future holds for us, but um, we hope to stay strong. But one of those key things that we look for is to maintain our IT cost at a sustainable level. Mm-hmm. And being in the cloud already, it was unfeasible to bring those servers and everything back in-house. We just don't have the resources or manpower to sustain that. So we decided to only look at vendors that were hosted or cloud-based when we did our selection process. Okay. So you already were using the cloud and that's been something that has worked well enough or had good results for you? Yes, we've gone with a cloud-first strategy, and I can tell you that my IT uh, manager said he will never go back. (laughs) Um, He actually (laughs) sleeps at night now. Um, But when you think about the resources that these large EHR vendors have to sustain their product versus a small critical access hospital, we really can't provide the service that our vendors can in maintaining and securing those servers. Yeah. One of the added incentives is, you know, the security risks that would come with bringing servers back on site. So you're just expanding in this environment today, you're expanding on what your your resource needs are um, when you're adding all those security features as well. Yeah. And that kind of segues nicely into something that I really wanted to talk about, which was cybersecurity and how challenging it is for everyone, but especially for smaller and community-based organizations. And yeah, so I wanted to talk about what you've been doing to overcome some of those challenges, one of them being, of course, fewer resources. Yeah, for sure. You know, one of the biggest challenges with security, as everyone knows, is it's a moving target and it's required increasingly more resources over the last few years. And I don't think we're alone in in saying that. I think it's across the board, whether you're a small facility or or a larger facility. The, The difference being that in a smaller facility, when you're expanding your resources, you're giving up something in another area, right? Everyone in our IT department wears a multitude of hats. So we've taken kind of a three-prong strategy to how we approach our security. We've had a pretty strong security program in place for at least the last 10 years. We've done a lot in providing our IT staff with the tools that they need and the education they need to ensure that we have a secure network. We provide a lot of education and training for our IT staff. So that's kind of our first prong. The second prong is educating the entire facility. So we've got a pretty robust education program for our entire staff, including blogs and ongoing required trainings. They never know when they're going to be fished by us and uh, receive that pop-up that says you've been fished. You know, this is what you should have seen. Um, So we know that it takes a village to make us secure and that our staff is is probably um, the weakest point in most security programs. You can do everything right technically, but if you haven't properly educated your staff on, on what to do, then you're still at risk. So we've done a lot on that and creating a whole culture of security. 
I get emails every day from everyone from, you know, housekeeping through, you know, LNAs and nurses and doctors and in even the CEO saying, oh gosh, you got me. I should have seen this. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's to an entire organization that's aware of what's going on in the security world. The third thing that we've tried to do is kind of think outside the box. We can't be stuck in thinking that the only way to provide security is to bring staff on site that have a security background or education. You've got to think of other ways to supplement what our staff is doing. So we've partnered with other facilities. We actually in Vermont have a statewide organization that meets monthly and it's the CIOs and CISOs and we talk about security. In fact, this month we have a security presentation coming in. We've also done a lot of information sharing with other facilities. And when we're looking for staff, we, we look for things like, can we do this with managed services? Is there another way that we can bring on board staff that have some security background that, that we're looking for or needing? So that's yeah. kind of the three prongs that we look for. Yeah. And one of the things I've been hearing about in some of the you know interviews and webinars we're doing is that the competition for talent, especially focused on cybersecurity, is so hard because all these other industries are offering remote and you know, you're competing with the salaries. So that's interesting what you said about how you have to you have to think outside the box. You have to look at other possibilities. Oh, definitely. I mean, as a as a smaller facility, we can't compete with the larger facilities. And, you know, especially when it comes to salary and incentives for someone to come to this remote part of Vermont. Um, right. So we have to continue to progress and we don't have a choice. We have to keep our network secure or yeah. there's not another facility for 40 miles. We can't just say, sorry, we're not taking you. Um, you know, our network is down. <laughs> yeah. Know? We have to have a plan in place. We've also taken advantage of a lot of the resources that are are free. So if you start thinking outside the box and expanding your you find that CISA for one has provided a ton of free uh, resources for facilities just like ours and for schools and other things. So last year we invited CISA in and they came in and actually facilitated our tabletop exercise. It was oh, wow. great to be able to have someone with, with that breadth of knowledge come in and help advise us on our downtime procedures, what our incident response plan looks like, et cetera. So a lot of free resources. They actually will do um, free of charge. They'll do penetration testing. They'll do your risk assessments. So there's a lot of tools out there if you look in the right spots. Yeah. It's really nice to see that because that obviously hasn't always been the case. Even for a little while, I think that there were some resources, but people may not have known about them. So to see that CISA will come in and do that, it, that that's such a difference maker. For sure. And, you know, we even had the FBI come in and the FBI came in and actually did security training for different levels of our staff. So we did one, uh, the FBI provided a training for leadership. Um, and then they provided one specific for IT, so it was more technically based. And then they provided one for our physicians and associate clinicians. So they've done a great job in helping us. It's, it's one thing for me to get up there and tell them, hey, you know, you better watch out out there. It's, you know, <laughs> there's these risks. And it's a whole other thing when it comes from the FBI saying, hey, these risks are real. And um, I think that they 
hear it more when it comes from from those organizations. So um, they're, yeah. they're your partners out there in this and they um, a great job in trying to get it out. You just have to be open to it, I guess. Yeah, that's pretty amazing though. Like you said, I mean, who's not gonna listen when someone comes in from the FBI? Right. Exactly. And I yeah. think, you know, uh, there's, some, there's some legislation coming down the pike um, that people should be watchful of, some cybersecurity grants um, that are, I think they're working their way through the pipeline, but, you know, we're going to keep our eye out for them and, you know, try to make sure that we have the resources we need here to keep us safe. Chime has done a good job, too, of kind of putting together a list of those security places <laughs> that you can visit. Um, they have a a web page up that has a, a list of a lot of those sources that you can adhere to. Um, things as simple as um, getting into these daily news feeds, participating on these free webinars or phone calls that CISA or um, other organizations provide um, mm -hmm. when there's an alert. You know, it's been one of those things where you're trying to look holistically and say, hey, what can we do that is going to benefit us that really only costs us our time. Yeah. And I liked what you said about creating this culture around mm -hmm. cybersecurity. That wasn't the case five, 10 years ago. You know, it seemed to be something that really falled onto the shoulders of IT or security or both. And is that something that's kind of been a, a long-term goal to just try to permeate that culture? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. You have mm -hmm. to start somewhere. You start where you're at and then you start just um, making progress every year. So in 2011, I formed an information security team here in, at North Country. It was part of my master's program and it was something that I'm passionate about. So we took that and that has been our security governance. We've updated our policies and procedures. And um, every year when we do our risk assessment, we take that and we form a strategic plan around security here. So we use the NIST framework and everyone's involved in it. Everything from the tabletop exercises, downtime procedures, you know, there's just a whole organizational awareness at this point. I will say sometimes it takes a nearby incident to help mm -hmm. further that. So, um, you know, don't waste a good crisis. So when UVM had their incident yeah. in 2020, it helped us to, you know, even bring board awareness to what we needed to do, what our risks are. And so it freed up some funding for us to advance some of those tools that we felt we needed to keep us safe here. So I yeah. think you, you need to just use everything that you can to ensure that everyone's thinking the same way, right? that this is my network and no one's getting in. Yeah. And for something so impactful, like huge incident to happen so close, that that has to be a wake up call. <laughs> for sure. It's um, the largest tertiary care center in Vermont, obviously, mm -hmm. and, and we provide a lot of joint services with them. So it impacted us in a lot of ways and a lot of our patients were impacted by it. We saw patients going to UVM and there was no phones, no, mm. they, they didn't know who their patients were because they didn't have their schedules. It was oh, yeah. very, very impactful for them. So, you know, and that has a ripple effect. It, you know, it affects down to I'm your primary care here in Newport and I've sent you to UVM for something and I have no idea what they did, but you're back in my office and I've got to follow up with you. you know? <laughs> right. 
you know, I think it really hit home for everyone. And after the FBI did a presentation to our medical staff, the CEO was in my doorway saying, hey, what do we need to do? Mm -hmm. You know, get it done. (laughs) Yeah, I think that helped push us along, but I'm sure everyone has experienced something um, near them. It's, It's pretty prolific in healthcare right now. Yeah. With organizations like yours, it's probably not that rare for you to have the CIO and CISO role. You know, we certainly see it with some of the smaller hospitals. And that's where I would feel like the information sharing would really come into play and really help just as far as the the challenges you face of having both of those under your purview. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they compete with each other, right? I'm trying to push out all of these new tools and sometimes security was seen as, as a barrier to pushing those tools out. But now it's sort of like, hey, I'm pushing out these new tools in a secure way to make sure that nothing is going to increase our risk. So I think, I think they go hand in hand, but it helps to understand what the IT strategy is. So I manage both the IT strategy and the security strategy. So I, mm-hmm. they, they pretty much partner each other. Um, as far as, you know, not just what we're doing for initiatives, but also how we're going to keep them secure, you know, throughout the process. So, so only some days you're fighting with yourself. Yes, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Okay. It's, It's really good to hear that Vermont has that association. Just in having that, it seems like that's a good piece of advice to share for others. Like if they don't know about one to go find one, because I'm sure that that helps enormously. For sure. And, you know, we're all in this together. No one wants to see their site be attacked, nor do they want to see any of their fellow. In Vermont, I guess we're far enough apart that we don't see each other as competition. We see each other as our friends and we wouldn't wish any anything bad to happen to them either. So right, we, right. we pretty much share a lot here. Yeah. And maybe that's unique to, to this rural state. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say. All right. Um, I know there's always more we could talk about, but I'm sure we'll, we'll touch base again. But um, thank you, as always, really appreciate it. And this is great information. Okay, well, hey, for talking with me, Kate. Sure. And I hope you have a, a wonderful day and a great weekend. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.